Hi, I'm Blake Gilman, Vice President of Post-Acute Care with Life Care Services. Um, welcome to the Health Service Division podcast. This is the second in a series that Dan Merriman and I are doing on public policy. Welcome, Dan. Hi, Blake. Today we're going to give a little bit of an update. The topic generally broad brush for this session will be around what happened in the election back in early November. Um, Dan's going to start off by giving us an election recap and maybe a little outlook on 2019, what's happening in the congressional body. Dan? Sure. Thanks, Blake. Uh, so I think if anybody here is, is downloading the, the podcast, you probably know the, the big headlines in terms of what happened on, on election night, and I don't have to get too much into the numbers, but uh, kind of a, a broad kind of picture of what it means uh, and what it means for, for us and senior living when we have Democrats in control of one house and Republicans in control of, of the other house. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, what we've really heard a lot about is just kind of, you know, the need for, for bipartisan effort. And, and that's going to be a reality that, that anything that's going to pass through Congress now is going to need, uh, either both house, both parties really supporting an effort or there needs to be some significant defection from one party or the other to support a, the other party's agenda. So, um, you know, on the Senate side, uh, to pass virtually anything that, that's Republican led, they're probably going to need to, to find, uh, almost a dozen, uh, Democrats that are going to support their efforts to get the 60 votes that need to pass. Um, likewise on, on the, uh, the House side, uh, Democrats are probably, you know, going to need to find, uh, a dozen or two, uh, Republicans that are going to go along with, with any of their issues. Um, you know, as well as kind of, find, you know, find the votes on, on the Senate side uh, to, to pass any of their initiatives. So, you know, another another thing that that means and, and what you won't see in the, the source when you look up bipartisan is a synonym for, for bipartisan is slow. All bipartisan legislation is going to be slow legislation. It, it's just going to take a lot of effort to get anything to actually pass through Congress. So, you know, another thing that'll mean for us here in, in the senior living industry is, is there probably won't be as much of a focus because there's going to be a, a lot of focus on a few big ticket items, few big picture items that both parties really kind of have in their scope that are, are things like immigration and infrastructure and, uh, just keeping the government, uh, around and, and, uh, free of shutdowns and, Raising the debt ceiling, those those typical uh, arguments are, are going to continue to happen, and and so you know that's going to be a lot of the focus of Congress. So so maybe a little less focus on on us. Um, you know, and another you know kind of final thing that that you see when when you see any House switch up uh, leadership is that you know, all the discussion that happens in, in Congress really happens in the committees that are formed uh, by, by either house. Uh, so on the house side, you now have all these uh, committees, the, the finance committee, the appropriations committee, the ways and means committee, um, and then, you know, dozens of different subcommittees that talk about different little things, whether that's health or agriculture um, or, or environmentalism. Uh, 
uh, each of these committees uh, will now switch chairs. So the party that controls the House controls the, the chairs of the committees. And then there's also going to be uh, a switch in, in the dynamics of membership in terms of giving a ma majority to Democrats in each one of these committees and subcommittees. So all of the agendas, um, all the discussion are, are really going to follow on on the Democrats, um, that, you know, agenda setting and, and their initiatives. And so you're going to see uh, where you might have different conversations happening in different houses. And, and different focus on on kind of issues based and, and issue discussions that that we're going to see in the House that we're not going to see in the Senate and, and vice versa. So I, I think it's always interesting, Dan, when when there's this transition period. Um, you know, we've had a Republican-dominated uh, body of of senators and congressmen for the last two years. You know, they they kind of bully their way around when that happens. Um, you know, now, especially between now and the end of the year before holiday recess, virtually nothing's going to get done. Would you agree? Yeah, that's, that's probably pretty accurate and, and very little um, that, that's going to affect us. Yeah, because, you know, the, the, the outgoing bodies are packing up their stuff in file boxes right now. And the, the incoming bodies are trying to figure out, you know, where their office is and what the staff that they'll have is. Um, and so as we move into 2019, once everyone gets settled, um, you know, Dan and I were commenting before we started this, this session, uh, he and I were in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago when the Republicans took power of the House and the Senate, and we were in one of the Democratic representatives from Iowa's office, and he, his basic opinion was, look, for the next couple of years, I, I'm just going to sit here because I have virtually no power. We were we were commenting about that a little bit, so uh, pretty pretty frank and brutal kind of uh, opinion there, but but really accurate. I mean, the you know he was right. Uh, you know, both parties really kind of stuck to their guns, and that meant that that really the the Republicans, especially on the House side, they they really didn't listen a lot to to Democratic even their leadership. Um, and so, you know, it kind of was where, where it was great to hear that we were preaching to the choir, but, uh, <laughs> but then, yeah, you had no, no power or influence to really kind of drive any discussion for, for us. Yeah. So, so Dan, let, let's jump into, you know, even though it's going to be a kind of a Congress of, of, uh, collaboration, bipartisanship, et cetera, let's, let's talk about some of the big issues that at least have been noted that we think will be will be targets. So let's start first with um, what's happening with Medicare and Medicaid. Sure. Uh, so, so Medicare is, uh, you know, that that's one of those golden tickets for for most people that are in, in any elected office uh, at the federal. So, so you don't really see a lot of threats to to the Medicare broadly. Um, you know, there's some long-term kind of solvency questions. I, I, I think everybody wants to ask both for Medicare and Medicaid. Um, but but broadly, Medicare is, is going to be more defined by what CMS does and the initiatives that CMS and, and Health and Human Services rolls out, and and that's really going to define the impacts to to us and in uh, in nursing homes or you know are, are partnering with therapy companies or home health companies that that are also Medicare certified and that that whole plus the Q landscape 
is probably going to be defined much more on the regulatory side by CMS than, than it is uh, by what Congress does. Uh, but the one thing we do have going for us is uh, people in Congress are representatives, and they do have oversight over Health and Human Services and, and CMS. And so where we see overreach, uh, you know, like we have with, with the CMS rule, a couple of years ago, we've used Congress as a way to really focus on, you know, specific ways that kind of cut through the red tape and, and cut down some of the regulation or be consistent in some of the enforcement. You know, those, those are some of those issues we've focused on with Medicare and can continue to. Um, Medicaid is one of those that, uh, honestly, we, we probably got the biggest savior uh, of the election to our industry by by the Democrats getting control of at least one house. And that I think if we saw two Republican houses, we definitely would have saw you know, another proposal that had these big sweeping cuts to the Medicaid program generally. And and that would have really had the ability to to kind of filter out and, and lead to uh, you know cuts, broader bigger cuts, broader cuts, um, entire programs kind of dropping off. Um, but, you know, now with, with kind of both sides there, I, I think that, you know, any efforts to focus on Medicaid will be much more targeted. Uh, you know, the Republicans are really concerned more on the expansion or kind of the able-bodied kind of individuals that, um, you know, income limitations that, that, that are qualifying for Medicare that, or Medicaid that, that might otherwise qualify for private insurance or uh, employer insurance. And so that, that's one of the focuses that you, you might continue to see, but, but less on the aged and disabled programs that, that all of our communities take advantage of. So, you know, hopefully uh, things will, will continue to kind of be uh, close to status quo for us. Um, the bad news is that, that does, you know, with Republicans still controlling a House or still controlling the Senate, uh, you know, we're, we're not going to see any big, giant uh, increases in reimbursement rates either because they're still going to control that purse pretty tightly. Yeah, and I, I think that's important because over the next five years, at least according to the U.S. Census Bureau, there's going to be about 20 million more people over the age of 65. So maintaining some of those benefits over the not only short term but long term is, is going to be significant. Yeah. And it's one of those, uh, you know, you talk about kind of what a committee might discuss and it isn't something really passed, but, but will be discussed. This concept of Medicare for all, whatever that means. Uh, now, now with Democrats controlling the agendas in, in some of these committees, uh, you'll definitely see some people, uh, throwing that out there. Uh, people that use those and, uh, use that term in, in some of their promises and the campaigning. And even maybe some people that are posturing for 2020 or 2024, um, that's going to begin to happen by some of these agenda items on, on the House side. So, you know, I could, you could see that come up, but, but that really does, no proposal I've seen for Medicare for All has really affected senior living or, or really uh, had any form of solvency to it that, that it gains any, anybody traction other than just kind of that broad, um, kind of pie in the sky kind of outlook. Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, what about any of the other sectors? Um, assisted living always, you know, is, is tenuous because it's, it's 
has limited oversight at this point in time. Um, you know, what do you see on the horizon? At least at the federal level, um, you know, I, I think with Republicans still controlling a, a Senate, I, I'd be doubtful to think that in the next two years we're going to see, you know, regulation actually hit or, or happen to assisted living. But uh, I think even, you know, the last year or so, we've thought that discussion is just getting a little bit hotter and, uh, and certainly could see that happen on a Democratic House. It's looking at some of these... Uh, you know, news items and uh, some of the research that's been done, um, you know, the GAO, uh, which is a, an, you know, kind of a, a, a watchdog for, for a lot of federal programs. It, it had a, it released a, a, a study about a year ago that focused on abuse reporting and for Medicaid assisted living programs. So those, that, those programs in the, um, HCBS or waiver type of programs, and and the reality was CMS very very rarely gets any notice on when abuse cases happen or or what happens because it all happens at the state level, and it's not to say it's not going, you know, regulated or it's not being investigated or followed up correctly, but it's you know participants in a federal healthcare program and the federal government doesn't know exactly what's going on. That that certainly ruffled some feathers. And so, you know, there, there can continue to be discussions on assisted living and, and just kind of what would be the proper oversight of assisted living. Um, I think that's where, you know, the discussions that we have on, on what we do, um, you know, how we provide, you know, care at an assisted living or, or memory care setting, and, and just as importantly, how it's regulated and, and really governed at a state level and manage very well at a state level. That's an important part of that discussion. Yeah, I think those are great points. You know, there's there's always um, interest around that subject. You know, I, I don't think we could get out of this podcast session without talking about immigration. You know, it's probably the hottest topic outside opioid use or or misuse than anything else. So, any any thoughts on immigration? Just that I think we need to be a part of this discussion, and uh, you know, hopefully now with with two parties really in this immigration discussion, I, I think both sides are going to want to have some type of solutions put forth in the next two years. Uh, so we talk about 2019, but but really, you know, this is kind of a year and a half where we're 2019, and then kind of the first half of 2020 before the next election season really hits hard, um, you know, that's what this Congress is really coming in to, to focus on beginning in January. And so the next 18 months, I, I definitely see immigration being a part of the discussion and, and hopefully it goes beyond the, uh, the talk about illegal immigrants and, and really about legal immigration and, and what are, you know, not, let's not close down the gates, but, but how do we control the gates and, and how do we open it up? Um, and especially where we're concerned, what are the ways we can we can open up legal immigration, legal paths to citizenship that, that bring workers who are interested in working in, in senior living or the types of uh, jobs that we offer? And, and how do we get people that are very willing and, and able to come into our industry? How do we get them into this country legally? How do we get them qualified to work? 
and, and how do we build our workforce there? Because we know just looking at, at the broader workforce numbers, uh, there, there's just not enough people in this country to fill the jobs we're going to need to fill to, to hit the growth that we need to hit to serve the seniors that, that are coming in, in uh, the mid-2020s. That, that wave, when it, when it peaks, we're just not going to have enough workers if we rely solely on uh, you know, those in our borders. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and the interesting part about the immigration and the impact on the workforce that you talk about, it not only impacts the health sector, but it impacts almost every sector that's looking for, um, you know, that that we'll, we'll call it entry level to mid level, you know, workforce that, um, you know, the United States in almost every sector is is aging out. Um, and you're going to need those replacement workers to come in. So I think that that is going to be a real topic um, over the next few years. Yeah, it's it's one of those too. I, I think we felt like uh, a couple of times where we've had meetings in Washington D.C. It's like we're the broken record where we start talking about our workforce issues because I get the feeling that that who you know whether it's an aide or, or the, the senator or congressperson, they they've heard that before. <laughs> There's a workforce shortage coming up. Uh, regardless of the industry they had, whether that was the pork producers before us or, you know, manufacturing or, or other healthcare industries, we're all facing shortages. Um, you know, hopefully at, at least, uh, with, when we talk about nursing jobs and we talk about a lot of the jobs we have, they're, they're not necessarily entry level. They're, they're high paying jobs, um, or higher paying jobs that, they can, they can really kind of fuel, uh, you know, economic development a little bit greater and, and maybe there's some traction there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so in the end, what, what's the most important thing people can do here? You, you know, this is where I'll be the broken record in talking about the, the greatest uh, impact any of us can have is to continue to have conversations with, you know, members of Congress um, and even where you have you know, state legislatures continue to have those conversations, whether that's somebody new or somebody that was reelected to their position. You know, you, you look to, uh, you know, Congress this next January is going to have a lot of new members. Uh, a lot of them come from state government, but, but not necessarily. Uh, you've got a lot of people that had their own jobs and their own kind of professions before this that are just newly elected officials. That means they really probably have no idea what senior living is, what the difference between assisted living or nursing homes are, what a life plan community is. Those are all going to be new uh, topics for for them to kind of wrap their heads around. And um, you know, we, we need to kind of educate them on what we do, advocate for what we do. Um, you know, make sure that that they know a little bit more about us than what they're going to see in the headlines which oftentimes are much more negative than, than we'd like to see it. So, you know, continue to reach out, find out who your, your elected representatives are, if they're new and, and kind of, uh, you know, how we can get in touch with them and, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep looking out for ways to, to get involved with your state associations or um, other LCS initiatives that are really going to prompt it, prompt you and, and prompt us all to, to reach out and, and kind of get in contact with our members of Congress. Well, Dan, certainly appreciate your perspective on uh, public policy. It's it's very valuable, and, and 
you know, we'll, we'll continue to have ongoing conversations around public policy and what's happening um, as we continue this multi-part series. So, Dan, thanks for joining us in the Health Service Division podcast. For Dan Merriman, Blake Gilman, um, thanks for joining. Yep, thanks, Blake. Legal Disclaimer. Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.